Aaron Alcoholic. Today is June 1st, and this is the Keep It Simple podcast, where our format is a conversation, a discussion on the topic of sobriety, recovery, Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I have a small format change for you today. I thought instead of hearing from me, maybe we would hear from some other voices um, that are part of my fellowship, part of my community um, in, in, in sobriety. And uh, I have a couple of short recordings from a, a few actual AA meetings that I will share with you. They're actually just the speaker portion of the meeting uh, from a speaker discussion type of format. And uh, they're not long, they're maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And um, if you're not familiar with the, the AA message, the idea, um, the principle behind that is to share one's uh, experience, strength, and hope. And how do we do that? We do that by sharing in a general way what it was like, what happened, and what we're like now. So I will turn it over to my buddy, Stefan, Stefan G from San Jose. Stefan, I am an alcoholic. Stefan. And uh, glad to be here. So, you know, I didn't wake up with a hangover this morning and that's a good thing. Um, so whenever I'm chair meeting, my sponsor tells me to be um, brief, be truthful, and be seated, so I got this set, I got 14 minutes and 37 seconds left, and I'm gonna try to stick to that, so um, see how that goes. Um, so first of all, you know, I, I just wanna say that I'm nervous right now, you know, um, whenever I am at the chair and meeting, I do it, but I, uh, you know, I, I don't really want to, you know, because I. Usually when I chair a meeting, you know, I start thinking about all the blessings that this program has given me and I get emotional and I don't like people to see me that way. I just don't like to show that, you know. And, um, so, yeah. Um, so my story, you know, it's, um, I didn't grow up with an active alcoholic in the household. It wasn't that way at all in my house. In fact, I, you know, I'd get out of school and my mom would be in the kitchen baking cookies and shit, right? You know, and, and, and dad was a, a, a foreman somewhere doing something, you know? And um, there was always a bottle of old granddad in the cabinet, you know? And my dad took a sip every once in a while. The mom had, you know, a little half a glass of old, what is it? Um, some kind of wine thing, you know, on New Year's, and she got the papers, right, you know, and she was all, you know, oh, I'm tipsy, you know. <laughs> so there was really no, no reason for me to come out and be the way I was, you know. Um, I went through school, I was a good kid, you know, I never missed a day of school. Um, I, I, I went on senior cut day, they chartered us a bus to LA, to Disneyland, and that was my cut, you know what I mean? I really enjoyed school. You know, um, and I didn't drink in high school. That, that was just, it didn't appeal to me. Um, you know, I came from a large family. I had six older sisters and two brothers. I was the youngest one. And um, I had sisters that, that used to beat up guys at Overfilt High School growing up. You know, they beat up teachers, they 
crossing guards and all that shit, right? <laughs> you know, and so whenever anybody wanted to fight me, when they found out who my sisters were, they didn't want nothing to do with me. So at a very early age, you know, you know, I, I felt different. I felt like I couldn't hold my own. I felt like I was a punk, you know, and, and, um, and that stuck with me for a real long time. You know. I graduated high school with honors. You know, I went away to college on a vocal jazz scholarship, and I left seven trees and moved to Weed, California. Uh, culture shock, right? And um, I remember moving up there, and, and it felt like I was the only black person within 10 miles, right? And I remember being invited to this party, and um, you know, got in the car, and, and I'm dressed in a three-piece suit, you know, because that's how we got down in Seven Trees, right? You know, and, and everybody else was dressed in flip-flops and shorts, you know, and um, I'm like, that's odd, you know. But we get in the car, we drive, you know, the road stops, the dirt road starts in the middle of a field. There's about 40 people, and they're all standing around these kegs. And they're all wearing shorts and flip-flops. They're all white. Once again, I just don't fit in. You know, just, just don't fit in at all, right? And, uh, but they were all drinking this beer. They had put a funnel in their mouth. They called it a beer bomb. And they filled the funnel up with beer. And they drank it real fast. And shit was all coming out of their mouth, right? And, um, and so I wanted to try that. And so I did, you know? And immediately, Immediately, my ears got warm. You know, it didn't matter that my shoes were all dusty and shit, you know, from all the dirt on the ground. It didn't matter I didn't know how to talk to girls. It didn't matter that I felt like I was the only black person on the planet. <laughs> None of that stuff mattered. I had arrived. I was having conversations with people. You know, I was even dancing to rock and roll music. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, um, I had a ride, and um, then I threw up, and then I tried it again, and I drank alcoholically from the very beginning. Um, the idea that I might be an alcoholic never crossed my mind. It was, it, it just never, you know, that's the way I thought people did it. Every time I drank, I went to bed with a big kitchen stock pot because I knew I'd be throwing up over the night. Somehow I graduated from there, came back to San Jose State, enrolled, and um, I used to say I stopped going in my, in my senior year, but what happened was, you know, um, I, I found another little friend around that time called Crack Cocaine, you know, and, and you know, my priorities changed. School, degree, Crack Cocaine, Crack, you know? And, um, and I stopped going to school regularly. And so they, they told me not to come back. So what happened was I was disqualified and um, kicked out, and um, and I just continued to to smoke crack and drink. Um, I did well in, in the workplace. You know, I've had great jobs, um, careers. You know, I worked for IBM, I worked for Intel, Hewlett Packard, Sun Microsystems, the City of, of Morgan Hill, the County of Santa Clara. All these jobs. You know, all those jobs. I worked hard to get them. You know, and I lost every one of them because I could not stop drinking. Every one of them. I show up to work just fucked up, reeking of alcohol, 
my lips would be all swollen because I couldn't put the hot crack pipe down, you know what I mean? And, and it would be burning my lips. I remember walking into work one day and my boss just, she walked past me and then she stopped and she came back and I told her that I was tasting a pot of beans, right? And the spoon was too hot and it burnt my lips. And she just said, you're an idiot, right? And she just kept walking around. But... Checks <laughs> out. So lost them all because of my alcoholism. Guys, I could not not stop drinking. I could not not drink. And I wanted to. I wanted what you guys had, you know? Um, I was in and out of the program, you know? Um, you know, I would try Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been in probably every program from here to Redwood City, you know? And I always had, you know, a great desire, but that's where it stopped, you know? You know, that, that that membership, you know, you're welcome if you have a member, if a desire to stop drinking, you're a member, right? So I was a member, but I wasn't really willing to do all that stuff that they talk about you need to be willing, broke down before you get here so you can do those things, which is the 12, 12 steps. Um, and so, you know what, every payday, every payday, I was a newcomer for decades. I know where probably every fucking meeting in this county is. You know, because I would go to different meetings just so people wouldn't see me. You know, a newcomer again. So you know what, I um, fast forward this. I ended up um, about a year before I got here, this time. I was managing a recovery house around the corner here. Smoking meth every day in that recovery house. I had meth pipes all over the place. I had bottles of vodka all over the house. And I was kicking people out because they were doing what I was doing. And every time I walked in the bathroom and I'd look in the mirror, you know, I'd close the door and I'd be like screaming and silent, you know, I hate you and all that shit, right? And spitting at the mirror. Because I hated the man that I had become, but I could not undo that. I could not undo it. <clears throat> Alcohol had me fooled, you guys. You know, I thought that since I drank Hennessy out of a brandy snifter, I was not an alcoholic. You know, and I got all dressed up and shit, you know what I mean? And I would drink. I wasn't an alcoholic. But in the end, it was me and a fifth of vodka, the cheapest I could find, and I was just guzzling it. Guzzling it so that the alcohol was actually spilling out the sides of my mouth and onto my shirt. And I noticed what I was doing at that time, and it grossed me out, but I kept on drinking. So in the end, what happened was, um, I had two friends, and they decided to get married, and they went on their honeymoon. And they, um, they decided that they wanted this sober house manager to um, watch their dog and house sit for them, right? And um, of course, you know, their plane took off, you know, and I made a few phone calls. I had all kind of people in their house, smoking, drinking, you know, 
And while I was doing this, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm still, I'm hating this guy that I've become, and I just can't change. I can't do it. You know, and at the end of the night, when everybody was gone, it was just me, the meth pipe, and the dog. And the dog was licking the tears out of my eyes. I was in the middle of the floor, you know, um, screaming, God, please help me, because I can't do this. You know, and, and this is the part of my story that really gets me, because I don't know why I was screaming to God, please help me. You know, I've said it before, you know, I came from that church where... You know, they shook tamarines and everybody ran around, hallelujahs and all that stuff. And I didn't do that. And so I thought I was doing it wrong and I thought I didn't have nothing coming. But there I was in the middle of the floor screaming, God, please help me. And the dog just licking their tears out of my eyes and I'm just sobbing, right? And then immediately I remembered, you know, from taking these guys to meetings because I was going to show them how to stay sober, right? You know, I would take them to meetings and then I'd come back home and, you know. But I got a number, you know, from this guy. And, uh, and I had known him before, but he gave me his number again. And, uh, and I called that guy. And he showed up. You know, he showed up, he walked through the door, and there I was, a mess, you know. And uh, he said, let's get you some help. Took me to the hospital. Alcohol poisoning. And, um, you know, I remember the doctor asking me what it was that I wanted to do. And I, and I told him I wanted to get sober yet again. And he was like, okay, whatever. And he just shoved my bed over to the side. And, and then at 8 o'clock in the morning, he bought me a phone and I called the gateway. And then they put me out and I had to go back home because I just swore off alcohol and meth for good. Right? I'm on the road to recovery. But these people are coming home today from their honeymoon, and I need to go back to the house and clean that shit up, right? And so as soon as I walked through the door, that resolution that I had just made, no more than an hour, I made my way to the pipes, found the bottles, and got started all over again. And I forgot that I wasn't dealing with self-will. You know, I was in self-will, that's what it was. Anyway, the time came, I had to pick them up from the airport, you know, and, uh, and they get to the car, and they went to Hawaii, and they had all these ladies and shit on them, right, and they were all bubbly and happy and shit, you know, honeymoon, and, you know, they were like, how are you, how are you, and I'm like, fuck, and I just started breaking down and crying, and I'm on the 87 coming from the airport, and they're looking at me like, what the hell, you know, and for the first time, I told the truth, you know, I said, you know what, that guy that you let stay in your house, you know, I'm not, not sober, never was. You know, the dog took care of me. You know, um, I did this, 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 and this in your house. And I don't blame you for hating me and never wanting to speak with me again. So we pull into the driveway, I get out, I walk over to my broke down truck, and, um, and they said, wait a minute. I said, what? He said, we don't want you to go home. We want you to stay here with us until you can get into detox. You know, and I didn't have that coming. You know, what I had coming was a jail cell. You know, and for them to show me unconditional love like that, I just, fuck. 
You know, and then they brought me a phone and said, but Joe asked to go to call detox. Yeah. And I picked up that phone 10 minutes later and I called detox. And they said, come on down, we got a bed for you. Once again, God working in my life, you know. You know, I went into the detox, did everything that was suggested. Worked all 12 steps. Got sponsees. You know, I remember this first guy asking me to sponsor him, and I had um, 60 days clean. I was like, but I, I can't do that. And this old timer said, yeah, you'll do it. Just don't let him kept up, catch up to you in the steps, right? <laughs> and you know, the guy didn't stay sober, but I did. I did. You know, I absolutely love sponsoring guys now because it gets me into the book. I, I need to be honest. If it wasn't for me sponsoring guys, I'm probably not going to read the book. But I'm so vain and I don't want to look bad. You know, when I give them assignments, I'm reading that shit before I meet with them, you know. Um, My life today is is wonderful. You know, I I got some challenges right now on my job. um, And I'm walking through it. Got some fear going on, but I'm walking through it. You know, I, my, my living situation is, I, I remember asking God when I left the recovery house that, you know what, I, I can't live around crack smokers. <laughs> I, need to, I need to do it, you know, somewhere around $600. And this guy right here said, go to a men's meeting, tell them what you want. And I'm like, fuck, what's that going to do, right? So I followed his suggestions, I did that. Through a turn of events the next week. You know, I landed myself in an apartment right in the middle of Los Gatos, right across the street from the golf course. 680 bucks a month. You know, it's like, fuck, another blessing from God, right? So I'm going to say this in closing, and this is something that I, I, I heard on this, this CD that I listened to in my car. You know, that's another thing. I, I drive around listening to speaker meeting tapes, right? This lady, I heard her one night at, um, at Second Tradition, and um, she was from Van Nuys or something like that, and, um, and it stuck with me, you know, she talked about her God as being a show-off, you know? I was like, what does she mean by that, you know? And you take someone like me, someone, you know, at the end I was unloved, I was unnecessary, unneeded, just a throwback, right? I was washed up. Never thought I would get sober again. No hope. And he dusted me off, cleaned me up, gave me another chance, and he did it just to show what he could do. And I can't take any credit for that. I'd like to get up here and tell you that, look, I, look what I've done. You know, I've got two and a half years, but no that was a gift from my God, you know, and my gift back to him is what I do with my recovery. So I chair at meetings. Even when I sit up here and I cry like a big-ass baby, you know. I'm so grateful for the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. You guys have saved my life. Oh, fuck. You know, you saved my life. I was going nowhere. Today I get to have this, you know. So if you're new to the Rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, Jason, Denise, Gabriel, welcome. 
If you got loaded today, fucking welcome. You know, I came to a lot of meetings lit up like a Christmas tree. You know? But um, the seed was planted. You know? And when I was finally beat down into such a state of like, fuck, I was so willing to do whatever this guy told me to do. I used to think he was making shit up, right? You know, that's not, that fourth step doesn't say that, right? And I remember, you know, because he just kept going on and on and on. And, and he would show me in the book where it said, you got to put this down on paper. So I did, and for that, I get to stay here. So anyway, um, I made a fool of myself. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. I love that uh, message that Stefan has, that idea that, or that experience, you know, of not being able to get sober, you know, going to AA and bouncing in and out, and never being able to get it, and, and then, and then somehow, some way, it stuck, it took, it worked. And what I, what, what I saw in, in, in Stefan when it worked was a willingness to go to any lengths. That idea to put AA, put recovery and sobriety before everything else. <clears throat> and, and, and trust and believe and have faith in a, in a power greater than himself. That's, that's remarkable, that's amazing. Um, and AA is full of those kinds of stories. And sometimes people stay, sometimes people go. Um, but, you know, I don't want to go. I don't ever want to go back to that, that, that life that I had. My life wasn't exactly like Stefan's and his wasn't exactly like mine. But we both had that same problem. That, that, that inability to quit when we really wanted to. Not being able to do it on our own. I will end with my regular invitation, an invitation to you that are hearing this podcast to participate, to participate in the conversation, share any of your thoughts or feelings on this, uh, on this topic of sobriety, recovery, or Alcoholics Anonymous, um, to share anything about what you heard from uh, Stefan. And you can do that in a couple of ways. You can leave me a one-minute voicemail or a series of one-minute voicemails on the Anchor mobile app where this podcast is recorded. Or you can email me at Aaron, A-R-O-N, B-C, like Bravo Charlie, at yahoo.com. Or better yet, you could record a brief audio message on your phone through like a voice memo app and send that along to the same email address. All right, folks, take it easy.